Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello. Last week, we talked about Korai and Enigma, which had an interesting moral quandary and a short but sweet romance, which I was into, and Arzu wasn't. I was not. No. <laughs> Weird for me not to be into the romance. <laughs> yeah. Today we'll be talking about episodes 17 and 18, Solitudes and Ten Man. Solitudes premiered on February 6, 1998, was written by Brad Wright and directed by Martin Wood. Ten Man premiered on February 13, 1998, was written by Jeff King and directed by Jim Kaufman. Solitudes is one of my favorite episodes because it feels like a classic game of like where you have to solve a puzzle to get home. And it seems like very like non-problematic, which is great. <laughs> um <laughs> And Tin Man, right? And Tin Man is pretty fun too. And Arzu, would you give us a quick summary? Sure. So Solitudes uh, features the team split up. So Teal'c and Daniel end up at home. Sam and Jack are right behind them, and suddenly they're not there anymore. Uh, where are they? You ask. They are on what in what appears to be a cave made of ice and snow. Uh, Jack is injured. Sam is trying to both keep him alive and figure out how to get the old defunct Stargate next to them working again enough to get them home and tin man they go to a world with a very long alphanumeric name um <laughs> they all have that yeah and they meet this guy who knocks them out and turns them all into robots because he's lonely <laughs> and he's like i'm sorry i destroyed your organic bodies i guess you have to be my friends forever which is you know one way to make friends although it seems a little extreme mm. um so then the question then becomes, and their consciousnesses are like fully in there. So then the question becomes, what do they do now? Right. Okay, let's start with our quote reveal. Last week I gave you the quote, I just thought we had to combine body heat or we wouldn't make it through the night. And you were hoping that it's Sam and Jack snuggling in an only one bed trope. And you more realistically thought it was a 90s homophobia situation where we're supposed to laugh at Jack and Daniel having to snuggle for warmth. And it was what you were hoping it would be. I never get what I want. Now, listen, there was no bed. They were in the snow and nobody was naked, which somebody should tell Sam is a better way to conserve body. But then again, Jack was out. So I appreciate her not stripping him down without his knowledge. But the fact that they spent half the episode snuggling. I was speechless. It was a slight exaggeration, but yeah. Half the episode in each other's <laughs> arms. I looked away from the screen for a second while Sam is like, I don't know, clicking her tongue or something, but it makes like a noise with her mouth. And I thought she had kissed him. So I got <laughs> no. really excited and I rewound it and that's not what happened. But the fact that I thought that was plausible gives you some indication for where the episode went. <laughs> Yeah, this is fueling your uh, Sam Jack ship. He is for sure. injured. She's healing him. She's trying to help. They're talking about his wife and how she helped him get through his last injury. And I'm like, but Sam is here now. Yeah. And the two of you could be together now. And that's not mm -hmm. what happened. But um, hope springs eternal. Nobody tell me if I'm wrong. Team Jam. Jam. Yes, Team Jam. <laughs> <laughs> so this was my favorite part of the episode <laughs> i mean that's fair 
They were alone the whole time. They were talking about their feelings. They were <laughs> snuggling when she tried to escape and realized that she couldn't. And she wound up sliding back down the tunnel and ended up beside Jack again. She was perfectly happy to spend her last moment snuggling with him. And I get yep. that they're stressed. And I get that it's like a high tension situation. It's more like the comfort of being with somebody else while you die. But they didn't have to snuggle while they did it. <laughs> and they did. So... Well, it's a good thing they did because that kept them alive long enough to be rescued. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, snuggling saves lives. <laughs> That's the lesson here. Yeah, I really like this episode because it's like the first time you watch it, you're like trying to figure it out along with them. Like, you know, what's the problem? What's keeping them from getting home? And when you rewatch it, it's so frustrating because you know the answer and you're mm-hmm. just like, Sam. You could dial literally any other Stargate and it would have opened. <laughs> what I want to know is because the solution winds up being that there are two Stargates on Earth and they just kind yeah. of wound up coming through the wrong one. What I'm wondering is why nobody had made record of this if they knew that there were other Stargates. Well, because or is that just a guess? Know. Nobody did know about it because uh, so that this was the original Stargate that was put there by the gate builders. Right. And it, the continent had frozen over in ice before the Gould ever arrived. So when the Gould arrived, they're like, well, either there's not a Stargate or we can't find it. So they, they brought their own, probably stolen from another planet. Um, they brought a Stargate from home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from they took it from somewhere because they don't make them. Um, <laughs> so yeah they they brought their own stargate and put it in egypt so the ghouls may not even know i don't i mean i don't think they do I know not. that there's another one well i mean theoretically someone might know because there was a jaffa frozen in the ice there but if nobody was able to leave from that place then they wouldn't have been able to report back that there was one in a frozen location so yeah they might not even know where they ended up right yeah yeah i just i i think it's such a fun episode and it's so non-problematic like we're not having any issues of white saviorism (laughs) yes because there's nobody to save yeah well just themselves just themselves like no and they are the white people being saved (laughs) Yeah, it's just like classic mystery. Yeah. It's great. Um, yeah, very low stress. And it kind of gave, uh, it gave Sam the chance to be everybody on the team. Like, yeah, she had to take charge. She had to be the muscle. She had to be the brains. Like, in addition to her own occupation of all of these roles on a normal basis, yeah. um, she it's had true. to do all those things. Yeah. She was true. the entire away team. Yep. Yeah. And it just makes me like, well, she needs a break after this. But I mean, since Jack broke his leg, they're definitely out of commission for like two months for sure. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to recover from a broken leg that quickly. They could just go snuggle up at Jack's place for <laughs> two months. I was thinking like in general, Sam and Daniel are probably glad when they get grounded like that because then they get to like study artifacts that they've brought back and stuff like that and have some like downtime to do some research yeah because uh we haven't seen it yet but like daniel has an his own office and it's just like chock full of books and artifacts and all kinds of stuff (laughs) 
And he like, I think at one point he complains about never having the time to actually go through all this stuff. And, you know, they have to bring on other people to go through it for him. And she's sad about Daniel's getting meta on us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which kind of brings me to an issue that I thought was not necessarily a problem, but funny about this episode is they have a team of scientists and yet Daniel, the non-scientist, is the one to figure out what went wrong, which I just find hilarious. It could just be that, like, maybe, you know, when, when it's your field, you're so thinking within the confines of your field mm-hmm. that you're not considering possibilities outside of that. Yeah. Whereas, like, Daniel, his his approach was more of an anthropological one than a scientific one. Yeah, that's true. And then Teal'c was just there. Yeah being teal wearing a little toque to cover his uh, first prime headpiece yeah but i mean they could have at least had a scene where we saw a table of scientists in the background trying to work out the problem whereas this was like daniel figured it out and they consulted one mechanic <laughs> they were like not my monkeys not my circus like i'm not sure he's even technically i guess he's kind of a scientist i mean he's an engineer so it's like they consulted one engineer and, and no scientists, <laughs> which I mean worked, but it's just funny. Um, I was looking out for, so there are some directors of the show who will eventually start having their own like in-show kind of jokes in the background. And Martin Wood is one of these directors. He's known for having a giant like 10 to 12 inch wrench in the background of his episodes. And this is his first episode that he directed. And I was looking and I didn't see a wrench anywhere. So if anybody else saw it and can point out to me which scene it's in, that'd be great. But I didn't see it anywhere, unfortunately. So maybe he hasn't quite started his little joke yet. I was going to say, I feel like it's in the next episode. Then I realized he didn't direct the other No, he didn't direct that one. No. But next time there's a Martin Wood episode keep my eye out again i'm not sure if that's like something that he develops over time or if it's just occasionally so we'll see i need consistency (laughs) well if this is his first episode maybe he just hasn't developed his jokes yet (laughs) he didn't know what he could get away with (laughs) yeah but this one would have been perfect because they were like had engineers working on the stargate like they totally could have had someone holding a wrench at some point and i didn't see one so. He just hasn't figured it out yet, like you said. Yeah. I did appreciate, though, that when he was consulted, so this this engineer slash mechanic that I'm referring to, his name is, the character's name is Siler. He's a recurring background character. Like, General Hammond was like, I'll give you 12 hours to repair the Stargate. And he's like, nope, doesn't work like that. It'll be 24 I'm like, I, I appreciate that. Like, yeah, we're not cutting corners because this is sci-fi. This is this is the sci part of the sci-fi, and it's gonna take 24 hours. General Hammond thinks he's in sci-fi. They're like, no, just the military. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we have to deal with real-world problems in a real-world time. So this is a silly point, mm-hmm. but Sam, when she gets out of the cave, uh huh. Looks around and she's like, it's an ice planet. So yeah. ask me why my brain worms substituted the word barbarians in at the end of all that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh. You've heard that. That episode. 
that phrase many times. Yeah, you say it's like call and response. You say Ice Planet, I say Barbarians. See, my thought was Hoth from oh, Star Wars. See, you haven't read Ice Planet Barbarians, or I would make a joke about it. Because <laughs> they reference Hoth in the book. Oh, they do? They call the planet they're on not Hoth. Oh, okay. That's clever. So they're on not Hoth? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I think we've brought this up in a previous episode. We, we've talked about how it's just assumed that the entire planet has the same climate, just like in Star Wars. <laughs> and so, like, Sam goes out onto the surface and all she can see is ice and assumes that it's an ice planet. I mean, so. if she also <laughs> thinks she's in sci-fi. Yeah, that's true. She thinks this is Star Wars and... <laughs> There's only one climate on the entire planet. <laughs> Although, to be fair, like, it, it wouldn't even matter if there were other climates on the planet because if she can only see ice for miles and miles, that's all that she would... She wouldn't reasonably be able to travel far enough to get out of the ice anyway. So it might as own. well be a nice planet. Right. Yeah. And I was thinking about how, too, it was, like, really unlucky that it was that Tilk wasn't one of the ones sent through because he'd be fine like the cold probably wouldn't bother him much at all the cold never bothered him anyway <laughs> yeah. oh dear <laughs> now I'm just picturing him as, a, as also Tilk magic himself a nice palace he would too <laughs> she probably not probably not uh, yeah I don't I don't think he's, he's that grandiose he, he no. magic himself a modest ice house. Yeah, like a cottage. Yeah. Yeah. I bet he'd get into like sledding and stuff. He would do like extreme sports. Oh yeah, for sure. The most like, extreme. Like the extreme like ski jumps and stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He'd be good at no, it. Too. What's the thing that's really scary? Skeleton. He would do skeleton. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I was also thinking about how basically the McMurdo research station is going to become a military installation now Mm -hmm. (laughs) because everybody who works at McMurdo, who is helping them rescue Sam and Jack now knows about the Stargate (laughs) and they have to like sign a bunch of forms (laughs) and promise secrecy. And now like, obviously, you know, the air force is going to like, introduce a permanent team of their own there you know to do research so i feel like research stations like that generally have a degree of nda-ness about them yeah it's probably not that different for them but congratulations they all got press ganged into the military (laughs) right hey i mean if it means them getting paid more then why not but probably not yeah i don't think so it's probably probably a lateral move Mm -mm. that'd be interesting like whether or not they continue to work for your civilian organizations or like switch over to a military contract Mm -hmm. this is not the last we'll see of this particular stargate in antarctica (laughs) arzu has big eyes yes i'm making a very dramatic facial expression i just realized this is not video for (laughs) y'all but i'm making a very dramatic face (laughs) Honestly, I'm not sure how much else I have to say about this episode because it's pretty straightforward. It's very Daniel fun. doesn't mention Sheree in this episode, but like I'll allow it. That's true. He's got something going on. He's got he's got like yeah. actual 
pressing issues going on. But he does literally every episode. No, but like this this feels worse because it's not like a it's not like somebody else's problem. It's like half the team is missing. No, oh, okay. So it's so not that's like, okay. Yeah, because this is a team that he ostensibly needs to get his wife back. So like if they're missing, yeah. that's a problem. But like if if you're supposed to be looking for your wife and he's like, but no, the stones, I'm like, focus. But <laughs> you know, Sam and Jack are missing. So that's true. Yeah. You want to move on to the next episode? Let's do it. All right. So, well, right out of the gate, um, we get this new greeting. And this is something that me and my family will say to each other from time to time. (laughs) Come dry up. (laughs) And you have to do the hand motion with it, too. It's great. I can't even do it. It's this. I'm showing ours. I did it. Best best with a loud clapping sound, but I, I won't um, hurt no, your ears with that. Do that directly in the mic. <laughs> no. <laughs> I do love that Sam's first question when they wake up after being knocked out by Harlan is, who changed their clothes? A valid question. Yes, because Harlan definitely put clothes on their naked bodies. And yes. he seems a little bit too happy about that. Just a tad. So um, let's talk about Harlan for a second because Harlan is problematic. Yeah. So we all know, everybody, but ladies especially, that uh, if a man calls you a female, Mm. unironically, Mm. that's a red flag. And that's what Harlan does. Consistently refers to Sam as female. I feel like it would only be okay if they were being examined by a non-humanoid alien being uh-huh. who was trying to examine like which ones were males and which ones were females. It yeah, like if But if Harlan is humanoid. Human, yeah. They're not human, I'll allow it. Like yeah. But Harlan human, definitely is. <laughs> but Harlan is. That's one thing. It's the way he talks to Teal'c. Oh yeah, that too. So he was talking about one of his buddies and he tells Sam and Jack and Daniel that they are very much like this buddy of his, whose name I forgot. It's like, it starts with a W, like Wallace or something. Yeah, it was like a, it's like, you two are like Wallace. And then he looks at Sam and Teal'c. He's like, well, you're a female. And points at Teal'c and goes, you're whatever you are. And I was like, bro. <laughs> I mean, it's supposed, it's supposed to refer to the fact that he's a Jaffa and not totally human. Yeah. But, but it does seem uh, questionably racist. When he's the only person of color. Yeah. Who regularly appears on this show. Yeah. I question the phrasing. Yeah. And he says it more than once. He says it more than once. I think that's one of those things where the writers definitely intended it to be a reference to his being a Jaffa. But if there had been a person of color in the writer's room, they could have pointed out how that sounds. Yeah, I think this this is like, not to make it too hashtag serious, but this is one of those things where if you have women in the room, you have black people in the room, people of color in the room, somebody can point out that in the episode that involves cloning people against their will and you know, against their knowledge and against their desire and trying to forcibly keep them somewhere that may be calling the woman a female and calling the black man whatever you are is not the way to do that. Yeah. Yeah, the writer for this episode is definitely white. Is it? I don't... 
I don't know if they have like a whole team of like assistant writers or not. I'm not I'm not sure if this is like a writer's room situation or like an ER situation where they would just break out individual yeah. episodes, individual people with like one person to oversee consistency. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because the way that they have it credited is like there there's always the credit, the writing credit for Brad Wright and Jonathan Glasner for developing it for television. But then they like it just says them for developed for television and then it has the two guys who did the um, Stargate 1994 film and then it's just Jeff King for this episode was written by so the 94 film is where the idea came from the developed for television is like they did the characters and the series bible and the overall concept is theirs and mm -hmm. the episode was written by Jeff King so they're probably yeah. also the ones overseeing the consistency but that, that they weren't writing the actual episode itself. right but I mean that's not I mean there could potentially be like assistant writers and stuff helping Jeff King okay. I don't know writers assistants but, and stuff but even then it's 1998 like we all know what that room looked like right exactly it's it's all it's all white men <laughs> yeah. what do you think of like it being problematic in general with cloning a person of color i think if it had just been teal it would have been a lot worse yeah i think the fact that all of them got cloned neutralizes it a little bit this is just my my thinking mm -hmm. I'm sure there's like a science or an explanation behind that that will explain why I'm wrong. But yeah, I think uh, I think having it happen to everybody makes it a little more neutral. But there is that still that very yikesy concept of them just being cloned at all without their knowledge. Right. Yeah, that's true. Like total loss of bodily autonomy for all mm. of them. Which is pretty on par for Stargate season one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it, especially because it's not like he gave them like totally blank slate personalities. They have a perfect recreation of all of their memories. Mm -hmm. And so as far as they're concerned, the clones are the real, you know, SG one team. And now they're being forced to live on this other planet that has a toxic atmosphere and they can't leave because the power source is there. I mean, it's essentially being imprisoned for the rest of your life and like you're never really gonna die because yeah. of their robot bodies that is that's terrifying like the idea of immortality yeah. terrifies me to no end yeah so if, if they're like if they're like what's the guy's name harlan uh-huh if they're like harlan and they have this sort of made the decision to live forever have this expectation of living forever that's one thing mm -hmm. like he's been around for what eleven thousand years yeah which is just insane insane to contemplate but oh, how he didn't evolve beyond language i don't know whatever um <laughs> he's kind of lived a long time with that expectation but these people these clones having the memories and the feelings and the impression of essentially being the sg1 team they objectively know they're not. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they, they are, they are for all intents and purposes, the SG-1 team who is now yeah. forced to live forever. Right. And that's chilling. Like, I know it's played off as a joke with like the two Jacks talking to each other uh -huh. and him being like, well, we promised we won't come through and like, don't send a bomb to make sure. But like, maybe you should. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking about it in terms of, you know, Harlan sees it as having helpers to help him maintain this facility. And so he he really needs that. But he's only trying to save his own um, culture, I guess, and whatever preservation is left of his original society. But they don't have that level of personal stakes. It's no. not It's not real to them. This is just a bunker underground with one dude in it that they just met. So they have no reason to fight for survival on this particular planet like Harlan does. Right. So like, I don't know if we ever revisit these versions of them, do we? We do. Okay. So we can check back in with them. Let's see if we don't. That's messed up. Yeah. But if we're going to revisit them, then that's fine. We do revisit them. Yes. It may or may not be what you want to hear about them, but oh <laughs> we boy, do we do find out what they do after the real quote unquote real SG one team left. Oh dear, do they like harvest Harlan's organs? Because that was <laughs> no. <laughs> I anyway. if you don't think if you don't think about it too much, it's a fun episode. <laughs> But then the implications of it. Yeah. You start to think about it a little bit. You're like, wait a minute. Hmm. Oh, no. But yeah, I, I guess the biggest questions I come away with is like, what is the point of Harlan doing everything he can to maintain this facility and keep himself alive? Because if he's the only survivor, who is he saving it for besides himself? I mean, I guess, like, there's a part of him that hopes that some of his brethren will come back. But if it's been multiple thousands of years since the last of his kind left through the Stargate, there's no reason to believe they're ever going to come back. So why not just, you know, succumb to the inevitable and let it collapse? I don't know. I genuinely don't know why he cares so much. No. I can't, Or, I mean... He said some of his fellow people built a smaller version of the power source and left. He could do that too. For that he, could do that. he could leave the planet altogether because he's got a Stargate. Yeah. He could he has options. And like I understand if he was like a thousand years old that he's still holding out hope. But right. eleven thousand years is a long time. Yes. It's like incomprehensibly yes. large. So yeah. even as robots they still couldn't comprehend living that long no because it's <laughs> it's unfathomable like if you think yeah. back eleven thousand years in human history like how long ago that was yeah that's like almost almost the entirety of human existence yep it's too long yeah yeah i i, I wouldn't be able to do what harlan did like i would either like end it or go to another planet like there's no way that like <laughs> even is though Harlan he doesn't keeping himself alive he is right yeah yeah he's not like it's not like he's not an immortal being no no he, yeah. he's a robot too we could just go somewhere until his servos stop working and then just quietly die well i mean he can like age. make he can make a smaller power source and take it with him wherever he goes and it may or may not last forever, but when you've already lived for a thousand years, like eleven thousand years, like enough's enough. Yeah, 
maybe he just wants to like keep the building intact because it has like records of his people and just keeping the record of their existence alive but kind of still comes back to the question to what end you know i mean yeah. if you're never going to rebuild your civilization what's the point who are you keeping it for yeah well this got very existential yeah <laughs> there was no snuggling in this one no no snuggling i mean there were funny moments when like the copies and the organic versions of themselves like were talking to each other but <laughs> two jacks in one place i didn't think i was gonna make it <laughs> yeah it's just it's too much <laughs> i just i loved how like the two sams were already in a deep discussion and like as like jack was leaving the room they were talking about how from this point they're essentially going to become entirely different people because they're going to have different experiences mm. after this yeah i i would argue from the point robo sam woke up they started well, yeah. becoming different people yeah yeah still yeah it's crazy Somehow we had two Daniels in this episode and neither of them remembered his wife. <laughs> I feel like you should get two points for that. <laughs> Twice the opportunity to bring her up. Instead, that didn't happen. I mean, Robot Daniel was a little bit busy being concerned about being a robot. So Okay, but like... <laughs> God. Robo Daniel was creepy. He was acting different. Was he? Yeah. I didn't think so. I did. I'm like, I'm uneasy. I thought I thought something was going on with the robots mm -hmm. because Robo Jack was acting like Jack. And Robo Sam was acting like Sam, but Robo Daniel was acting like a robot. So I thought I like I thought it was a nefarious scheme. Huh. I guess it's just a performance choice. But Yeah, I guess so. Like the actor <laughs> like not putting the robo part aside well enough. <laughs> Basically. I mean, Teal'c was definitely acting weird, but that's because, like, the copy didn't transfer very well, so. Yeah, that's understandable because of the worm. Yeah, I guess essentially he was a melding of Teal'c's personality and the infant Gwold's personality. Yeah. And so that's why he, like, turned evil because, like, that was the Gwold's personality coming through. Yeah. So that's understandable. Yeah. I don't know what I would do if I, like, saw a perfect clone of myself. I did hear some people <laughs> say if you saw a perfect clone of yourself, you wouldn't recognize yourself at first. Yeah. Because the way you see yourself in the mirror and, like, the way you process it is not necessarily the objective right. truth. So if you, right. see, if you see a clone of yourself, you won't recognize yourself right away. Yeah, like, her hair is parted on the wrong side. Her, her hair is parted on the wrong side. Her eyes are to this. Her nose is to that. And like, it's exactly yeah. what you look like, but you wouldn't know that. Right. Yeah. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. I was thinking about it more in terms of like, <laughs> like Would actually. you fight yourself? No, I was thinking about like, what does my butt actually look like from behind? I don't know. I can't really see it very well. <laughs> it's a nice butt from behind. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Also, like, I mean, seeing specifically a robot copy of yourself 
especially if you could see like the inner workings that would freak me i squirmed so badly watching robo jack cut open his arm even though i knew it was coming and it wasn't gonna be blood and guts i couldn't watch <laughs> see, i didn't know what he was doing and he's like carving into his arm and i'm like what the hell and then he peels it back in his robot parts and i'm yeah. like somehow that's better and worse <laughs> yeah. i knew it was coming and i still couldn't watch it i looked away i was like nope 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 <laughs> This is why I could never be a doctor or nurse. <laughs> I just can't do it. It's creepy and gross. I don't like it. No, no. Yeah, so if you have any um, problems with body horror, then that particular scene might be rough for you. Just a little. <laughs> and this whole robot clone brings up the question of would they have what we consider human rights since they're not human anymore? Yeah, I would think so. They're sentient beings. There is another episode that comes up and it's like, what are the qualifications for something to be like sentient essentially? Or I feel like there's another word that they use for it. Um, but it's like self-awareness, fear of death, um, things like that. And so like, if you fit these qualifications, then you are like your own, you know, self-contained sentient being capable of intelligence and awareness and all this kind of stuff. And therefore have the right to live essentially right so i mean they would definitely check all those boxes plus too i feel like we call them human rights because that's the most all-encompassing term mm -hmm. for us but you know they're really now more that like we know that there's aliens that this definition like, needs to get redefined yeah, like person rights i don't know if that would be a good term for it sentient being rights yeah there's probably a term for that out there yeah i'm sure there is need to google that <laughs> harlan does do like some explanation a little bit of like like what goes into making the clones like he mentioned specifically that it didn't work for some people like there were some of his you know fellow people that they tried to clone and the cloning process didn't work on them mm -hmm. so we know that they were not originally robots and that there was trial and error for many years and it didn't always work, but it does. It, they don't really answer the question of like what exactly is needed to make a clone, because I was wondering like, I mean, do you have to have a living person to make a clone, or could you, if you had like the DNA of somebody, could you make a clone of them? I would think so. It's the consciousness transfer where I kind of get a little fuzzy that's true like you could probably make a copy of them but then they would just be like a baby essentially yeah because like if they're dead and you mm -hmm. make a harlan style clone of them then do they have memories of dying like oh i don't know you know or like could you share the memory could you retrieve the memories if they're dead too like if the brain is no longer functioning yeah and then at that point it's it's a physical clone it's not the kind of clone that harlan's making right Although you could potentially just use DNA to make clones as babies and, like, raise them as your children. Yeah, it's also possible. So it makes me wonder why he never did that. Well, I mean, I guess if they're robots, then they wouldn't grow. Right. Although, I mean, I guess you could still, like, make them into adults, but then they would still kind of be your children. I mean, you'd have, they'd have, like, a learning curve. They'd have a dependency on you, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like I would have done something to not be alone for 11,000 years. You know? 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't have sat there for 11,000 years. I would have just gone elsewhere. Yeah. Or at least it, tried making other clones of some sort. I don't know. Self-preservation aside and cloning aside, all of that is fine. But I feel like that is mastered in, in such a relatively small fraction of time that 11,000 years still feels like way too long. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he, I know you said he's a little loopy because he's been alone that long. He's not loopy enough. Yeah, that's true. He is remarkably sane for being he, alone for that long. He's been alone for 11,000 years and he's extremely lucid. Yes. Like. Odd comments aside. Yeah. And even then, sane. there are people now who have not been alive for 11,000 years who say shit like that. So. I mean, I suppose you could make the argument that because he has a robot body, his mind cannot deteriorate in the same way. But True. but I feel like even then, 11,000 years of solitude yeah. will override that. Right. Because if you still have like a conscious mind, then you could still be driven to insanity. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, yeah. I just, it's so hard to think about that <laughs> Like, why? Why Harlan? Oh, Harlan. It is It is definitely depressing that some of his people left and then never came back. Like, I feel bad for him in that way that none of them felt compelled to return and at least say, hey, come join us, you know? Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe they figured that the planet would collapse sooner than it did and <laughs> didn't think there was much point in going back. But he's just a yeah. real weirdo. Yeah. And I was just thinking, like... If I was one of the robo-clones, I'd be like, okay, so in between doing various repairs around the station, what are we going to do with our free time? Like, do you have books? <laughs> like, That's the thing. How is he not insanely bored? Yeah. Like, even if his he had a rich culture for thousands of years, there's only so much reading material after a point. I think this is one of those things where the writers picked 11,000 years because it sounded really dramatic. Mm -hmm. But none of them thought through the implications of somebody actually being alive for 11,000 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like if I was Sam or even Daniel, I would radio the SGC and be like, can you just send us like some hard drives filled with like books and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> maybe they will maybe they'll send like they'll throw a message through the stargate and be like i'm bored yeah and they start pushing it through like a tv and a vcr and then a dvd yeah. player and then a blu-ray yeah, yeah. player as the years yeah. go on yeah totally and then yeah i mean they could send like you know terabytes of like information through to them to like you know read books and watch things and work on scientific briefs and and things like that yeah i mean Robo Daniel could help them process all of the information and artifacts that they're bringing back through the Stargate. He's got infinite time. They should just, they should just bring them back <laughs> to live at the at the SG one base. <laughs> they can like I don't know give them a little bell to wear so we know which one's the robot. Oh no, I don't know about that. Maybe just Something. a different color. A different color uniform, I think you can switch suffice. that. I guess you could also take the bell off. They should dye I mean, they their like, hair. Well, I was about to say that. Then we could just dye their hair or something. It'd yeah. be fine. I yeah. know what Robo Sam and Robo Jack are going to be doing for the next 10,000 years. Oh, no. <laughs> 
You can't see it, but I made a very exaggerated wink. <laughs> well, I was thinking if you did bring them all back to the SGC, that, that would almost be worse because then they would be a part of the SGC and so close to going on missions and not able to. I feel like they should just leave Harlan is what I'm saying. Yeah. Whether they go to the SGC or not, they're too good to stay there with Harlan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. It's stressful, basically. Yes. I do think that parts of this episode would have been really fun to film, though. I was thinking about, like, Harlan's computer setup, or, like, his control panel, and it is just chock full of different kinds of buttons. I'm like, I bet it was really fun to sit there and press all these buttons and make things light up and click things around. You have to make it fun for them. Yeah. I mean, I would have fun doing that. But then, too, if you're sitting there pressing buttons and you're filming, then you need to make sure you're pressing the same buttons every time. Oh, that's true. For consistency. I mean, you can come up with a system. That's true. I'm like a rhythm, like tap out a song on the button. Uh -huh. Yeah. I feel like these both of these episodes worked really well for being on set. They didn't have any like outdoor mm -hmm. scenes, really. Like literally the only outdoor moment was in the previous episode in Solitudes when Sam like looks out at the ice expanse. But even that, even you that only have to have the, like, set. Yeah, you only have to have the close by stuff that looks like ice and then the rest is green screen. Yeah. Totally worked very nicely for shooting in winter. Yeah. Not to go outside. I don't know, like, how, for TV shows, how much time is there normally between filming something and it airing? It depends. Like, now we have the system of, like, a streaming show will have entirely finished filming before it comes mm -hmm. out. But at the time, for a long, like, for a full season drama, if I had to guess, this was, like, filmed in November. November or December. For Just like release. a few months before. Yeah. Like they would. That's why like in a lot of long running dramas that had like the full 22 to 26 episode seasons. If something happened in the early part of the season that wasn't jiving with audiences by mid season, they would change it because they were still filming. Oh, right. So. Okay. Yeah. And they do always have that like holiday season break. Mm -hmm. Too. Because nobody's watching, right? Yeah, well, nobody's watching, and it gives the actors some time to, like, go home and be with their families. True yeah, as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, like, you're only, even for a TV show, you're on, you're not even filming for the entire year, right? You're just filming for yeah. maybe, like, half the year at most. Yeah, like, um, one of the shows I worked on, it was, like, a, a primetime cable drama. Uh, each 45-minute episode took seven to eight days to film. Uh -huh. maybe 10 let's say 8 it took about 8 days to film one episode right. Right. like moving locations so let's call it 8 days at 20 episodes each 160 days about a third of the year yeah I mean I was thinking it might take a little bit more time like before and after for like the sets to be built and the crew oh I'm work. not counting that I'm just counting the okay. filming time because the actors aren't yeah. there for that stuff Right, and then too for a drama like this, the SG one base just stays built. Once That's true, up, right? And yep. then there's a reason so many of these planets are like a field in California, yeah. or like an office. Like you can you yeah, can repurpose sure. an existing set. Yeah, how like before filming starts, like how much like 
prep is there to do from the crew before they can start filming? Depends on the show. Something with a lot of sets might take a couple months. Something. I mean, if the, if the sets are already built for the most part. Then it's a refresh. Then it's much shorter. Okay. I'm just fascinated. I don't know any of this stuff. Yeah. It's nice <laughs> with like certain, like with, with series that are primarily filmed indoors. When you come back mm -hmm. after season break, you turn the lights on. Yeah. Dust it off and there you go. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, so obviously occasionally new sets, but yeah. I mean, once they like, we're going to eventually see like the interiors of like gold bases and ships and they just like, like reuse the same you just move the statues around be like it's yeah. a completely different temple yeah totally give it a new paint job <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> it was silver and now it's gold <laughs> but otherwise it's completely different yeah. i feel like that's pretty much all i have to say about this episode same then my only like last thought would be like um i wonder if the power source that harlan has to power their bodies i wonder if it gets its power from the re radiation on the surface of the planet or if it's totally independent hmm. i don't know is this something we find out when we revisit them no <laughs> then yes <laughs> i mean it could be that it started out as an independent power source but maybe gets fed because like they had he has this whole like ventilation system that gets overheated i'm assuming it gets overheated because of the radiation on the surface so it makes me wonder if he's also like using the radiation you know for his own gain yeah i don't have an answer to that me neither <laughs> so in solitudes we didn't really get any new characters at all in Tin Man, we got some time with Dr. Frazier, which was nice. Mm -hmm. um, we've talked a lot about how Harlan is very problematic. Yes, <laughs> point stands. Any other problematic issues that come to mind? No, that was the biggest one. Harlan. <laughs> Everything else was fine. <laughs> so do you think these episodes hold up for a modern audience? I mean, I'd say so. I think Harlan is so gross as to be a little too on the nose so mm. it's not ever painted like he's right it's just a little yikesy that's so. true yeah yeah he's not painted as a savior of any kind yeah he's not a savior he's not even technically correct so i, right. I think it holds up fine okay any final thoughts sam and jack need to kiss <laughs> that's it that's all i got oh and i was thinking that sam does mention that she wants to punch Harlan for calling her a particularly interesting specimen. And I agree. Like he deserved to be punched for that. He does. He just generally deserves to be punched. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So next week we're going to be watching episodes 19, 20 and 21, which will conclude season one. The episodes are there, but for the grace of God politics and within the serpent's grasp. And you're welcome to watch along with us. Of course. And all three episodes work together really well for a like a good season finale, which does end on a cliffhanger. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. So are you ready for your next quote, Arzu? Yes, I am. All right. You're sending a nuclear weapon to Chulak? The general. The general says it? Yeah. Because they they want to throw something through the Stargate to Chulak. And he's gonna be Why? like, You're sending a nuclear weapon to Chulak. Like, I can't do an impression of him. But <laughs> 
I don't know. There's so, there's a threat they want to deal with mm -hmm. or something. So they want to, they want to send something techie. Who? No. Okay. They want to send something through the Stargate to Chulak mm -hmm. for their own purposes. Who is they? The team, SG1 team. Okay. Want to send something through for their own purposes. It could function as a nuclear weapon. And the general being a general, that's how he sees it. Oh, but it's not. That's not its original purpose. That's not its original purpose. That's not what they're going to use it for. But it could be used that way. So okay. that's how the general is reading their actions. As you're sending a nuclear weapon at Cholok. And they're going to be like, no. And then Jack is going to be like, no, sir. And he's going to explain. And then Daniel's going to be like, we don't have time for this. And then Teal's going to like sulk in the back. And Sam's just like not there. I don't know where Sam is. But <laughs> that's the scenario. Okay. It's a very elaborate guess. Very elaborate scenario. But I like it. it. It started from random. I don't know. Maybe it's this person to now, like, let me paint you a picture. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You got to, like, paint the picture for me. Put me in the mood where your head is at. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to uh, clue me in on why they need to send something. <laughs> interesting. Too. Uh, I haven't figured that out. Oh, okay. All right. There's a threat they want to deal with in a sciencey way. Okay. I don't know. That's as far as I got. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for today. If you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast Twitter page at Wormhole Waffles. And you can find me on Twitter at Chelsea Fairless. Arzu, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin. You can find the Geeky Waffle Network on Twitter at Geeky underscore Waffle. We are the Geeky Waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. We are at thegeekywaffle.com. That's where we have all of our shows, all of our reviews, all that fun stuff. I right there and Chelsea right there. And we are also on Patreon, patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle. All right. Thanks for joining us today. And we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon.